welcome to the podcast for Christian men who want to hear well done from Jesus after running the race he has marked out for them. Every man wants to protect his loved ones from harm, but in today's world, providing that protection isn't usually standing at the door of our home with a shotgun to protect our wife and children from being raped or kidnapped by a marauding band of thugs as it is protecting them from false ideas that have the power to take their thoughts captive and destroy their lives. Paul describes this everyday battle and the power of God's truth to tear down the lies of the culture. He writes, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Today we begin a new series entitled Surrounding Our Loved Ones with the Belt of Truth. Our goal in this episode is to know how to equip our kids with a confident response to the idea that science has disproved the existence of God. Thanks for joining us today for season number one, episode number 48 of Mission Focus Men for Christ. My name is Gary Yeagle. Have you ever wondered why so many teens who are active in their youth group go off to college and lose their faith? A 2019 study by Barna Research reveals that 64% of the U.S. 18 to 29 year olds who grew up in church have withdrawn from church involvement as an adult after having been active as a child or teen. We have a spiritual enemy who hates us and our children, who plants lies in our hearts about God, who seeks to blind us to the truth about God's nature and the goodness of his moral law to destroy our faith. Jesus called Satan a liar and the father of lies. His kingdom is called the kingdom of darkness because he darkens human understanding by planting lies in the human heart. Paul calls these lies arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. That is why we need to encircle our loved ones with the belt of truth. In today's world, we can expect our kids to encounter the claim science has disproved the existence of God. Best-selling books by Richard Dawkins, Daniel Dennett, and Sam Harris have convinced the academic world, where most of our kids will spend some time, to think that science in general, and evolutionary science in particular, has made belief in God part of a mythology that science has outgrown. In The God Delusion, Dawkins goes so far as to say that you cannot be an intelligent scientific thinker and hold religious beliefs. This perspective shapes much of our culture. We need to equip our kids to respond to this thinking with truth and confident faith. Let's consider what science and logic say about, first, the origin of the universe. The question must be asked, where did this material universe come from? Some might argue that the universe evolved through chance. We'll look at evolution in a moment, but we must help our kids realize that chance does not cause anything. It is simply a mathematical measure of probability. Flipping a coin may have a 50% chance of landing as heads or tails, but scientists will tell you that what caused it to land that way were factors like which side started out up, 
the strength of the thumb snap to flip it, the weight of the coin, air currents, etc. To say that chance caused something is a nonsense statement. So there are only two logical answers to the question, where did this material universe come from? Either this material universe has always existed, that is, matter is eternal, or this material universe was brought into existence by an eternal being who is outside this finite material universe. So let's consider these two possibilities. First, is the universe eternal? What does science say? And in fact, there are three scientific reasons that believing in an eternal universe is no longer acceptable to science. First, Edwin Hubble, for whom the Hubble telescope is named, discovered that the universe is uniformly expanding in all directions. This led George Gamow to trace this process back into the past until he reached a point where all matter was compressed into an unimaginably dense and hot primordial atom. He then postulated his Big Bang Theory, that this atom exploded, resulting in the present expanding universe. All of this is significant because this widely held model says that the universe had a beginning. It is not, therefore, eternal. Second, scientists know now that throughout the universe, hydrogen is being converted into helium through the process of nuclear fusion in the cores of the stars. This process is irreversible, as we now understand it, and new hydrogen is not being formed in any significant amount. You may have heard that in billions of years, the sun will burn out. The point is that this process reveals that matter is not eternal. And then thirdly is the second law of thermodynamics, which has to do with energy, work, and entropy, and says that the universe tends towards disorder. In other words, the amount of energy given off by burning logs in a campfire is less than the amount of energy it took to grow the tree. Moving from order to disorder gives off energy. Moving from disorder to order requires adding energy. This points back to a creator who ordered the universe. So the scientific evidence indicates that matter is not eternal. So the only other logical possibility is that an eternal being outside of the material universe created it. Logic and science point to this truth, as, of course, does the Bible. Romans 1.20 says, For God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. The universe is not in itself eternal, so it has to have been created by a being who is. This logical conclusion provides the answer to one who says, As a scientist, I can't believe the miracles of the Bible. Everything that happens in this world is explained by the laws of science. But if the universe had a beginning, a being outside the universe has to have put it here. Logic tells us that something cannot come from nothing. There must be an eternal being who started the universe. So why can't this being who set up the universe to function according to the laws of nature suspend those laws anytime he wants to, to intervene into the natural world in the form of a miracle? 
So logic and science do not undermine the biblical truth that the origin of the universe is a creator, but rather they confirm it. Next, let's turn to what logic and science tell us about the order of the universe. Let me begin by asking a question. If you were walking on a beach and came upon a complex sandcastle with walls, moat, drawbridge, and towers, which is more logical, to believe that a castle was built by an intelligent human being or that it came about because of billions of years of ocean water washing up on the sandy shore? Or if you see a new Jaguar SJ sitting in the parking lot, is it more logical to believe that it was intelligently designed or that a wind blowing through a junkyard for billions of years made it? Scripture tells us that the creation proves God's existence, but humans suppress that truth. Again, backing up a little bit before the verses mentioned earlier. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Darwin's theory of evolution is still undermining our kids' faith, partly because Christians, in my view, have spent so much time fighting over whether day in the creation account is 24 hours or not, instead of pressing the biblical argument that the world clearly was created through intelligent design. Here are four reasons to share with our kids why continued belief in Darwinism to explain the origin of life is just foolish. Number one is Darwin's research failure. In 1831, on a voyage to the Galapagos Islands, Darwin observed that the beak shapes of the finches he was studying varied among finch species. He postulated that the beak of an ancestral species had adapted over time to equip the finches to acquire different food sources when they had migrated to the islands. His discovery does seem to substantiate evolution at the micro level, that these finches did vary from other finches, those with the best shaped beak for the food sources in the Galapagos Islands favored by natural selection. But they are still finches. They did not become crabs. Without any justification or evidence, Darwin extrapolated from his research on adaptation of species to explain the origin of species, how you get finches in the first place, how you get birds, how you get animals. Darwinism was and is a wild extrapolation If you ask today, how does a bacterium become a butterfly? The answer is, go look at those finches on the Galapagos. But there is no evidence to show evolution of one species to another. Just adaptation within species. Which is why we discover number two. There is no evidence in the fossil record to suggest the evolution of one species to another. In 1859, Darwin admitted that there was no evidence in the fossil record to support his theory. And paleontologists have failed to find this fossil evidence in the last 150 years, even though they've sought it fervently. 
there is no fossil indication of a step-by-step development of species from previous life forms. The third reason Darwinism makes no sense is the impossible odds of natural selection producing human beings. Think of the odds of a blind man by himself inventing and producing a cell phone. Darwinism believes the random purposelessness of mutation, essentially DNA copying errors, generated the creative changes that are sifted and preserved according to natural selection, leading to an organism, a human being, that is estimated to have 37.2 trillion cells working in unison. Now that is a leap of irrational faith in natural selection. The fourth reason Darwinism makes no sense is the complexity of the human body. The theory of evolution postulates that an organism that has a mutation that benefits the organism will cause it to survive and reproduce more than other organisms that lack that advantage. The favored organism will then have a mutation that benefits that organism even more, leading it to have an additional advantage, survive longer, and reproduce itself more. But consider the human eye. Being able to see would enable the organism to have an advantage in its environment and pass on this trait. But for the eye to work, all the parts of the eye need to be working at the same time. The pupil, cornea, conjunctiva, retina, etc. But each of those individual parts never could have evolved on its own because by itself, each part had no advantage over other organisms. The irreducible complexity of the human eye disproves evolution. Darwinism actually makes no sense. It is completely irrational to observe the complexity of the created world without concluding that there had to be an intelligent designer behind it. Paul would say the reason Darwinism is believed is that human beings suppress the truth in unrighteousness. If we don't, by the way, that's because of God's grace alone. The third scientific and logical basis for believing in God is the precision of the universe for human existence. Our earth looks like a cosmic welcome mat. One scholar points out, when you look from the perspective of a scientist at the universe, it looks as if it knew we were coming. There are 15 constants, the gravitational constant, various constants about the strong and weak nuclear force, etc., that have precise values. If any one of these constants was off by even one part in a million, there would have been no galaxy, stars, planets, or people. Which is more logical, that there may be trillions of universes out there and that we just happen to be in one of them that is fine-tuned to sustain life, or that this world was designed and created for us? A fourth scientific argument for the existence of God is the reality of moral obligation. If all that exists is the material universe, how do we explain spiritual qualities like beauty, love, meaning, and justice? The social sciences confirm such aspirations as universal in human beings. If we are a material universe that is just evolving on the basis of natural selection, what is wrong with white genes beating up black genes? 
How can we argue that there is something morally wrong with a stronger male germ raping a weaker female germ? Evolutionary biologists answer that altruistic people, those who act unselfishly and sacrificially, survived in greater numbers than those who were selfish and cruel. Therefore, altruistic genes were passed down to us, and now the great majority of us feel that unselfish behavior is right. But let's think carefully about this logic. If there is no spiritual world beyond this physical material world, how do we even know what altruistic behavior is? Hostility towards all people outside one's group should be just as rightly considered moral and just behavior as loving them. There is no objective basis for saying love is better than hostility. Yet, the vast majority of human beings believe that sacrificing time, money, energy, and even our lives, especially for someone not of our tribe, is right. If we see a total stranger fall down on a busy street, unable to arise, all of us would slam on our brakes, jump out of our car, and help him get off the road, or at least feel guilty for not doing so. What is the origin of this compulsion? Atheism provides no answer. A materialistic universe only has no answer. In contrast, the biblical answer makes great sense. We feel moral obligation because we are made in the image of God. There is no doubt that our kids will run into the argument that science has disproved Christianity. They need to realize that, to the contrary, science is Christianity's best friend. Scientific discoveries about the origin of the universe, the order of the universe, the precision of the universe for human life, and social science studies that show the human sense of moral obligation provide overwhelming evidence for believing in a God who created humans in his moral image. The skeptic might say, well, there's strong evidence, but still not proof. And I would say, you're right. But consider this illustration from Alvin Plantinga. Suppose a man in a poker game dealt himself 20 straight hands of four aces in the same game. As the other poker players grab their six shooters, he says, I know it looks suspicious, but if there are an infinite number of universes, then there might be one where I get these cards without cheating. Though you could not prove he was cheating, it would be unreasonable to conclude that he hadn't. Faith is much more reasonable and logical than unbelief. I want to close this short lesson in apologetics with this truth from Scripture. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Proverbs eighteen seventeen. As protectors of our loved ones, we need to remember that we are sending them out into a world where the father of lies constantly states his case that science disproves the God thesis. It will seem right to them if we have not equipped them with the logical, scientific, and biblical response to those lies. The goal of these equipping episodes is not to load our kids' guns with bullets to shoot down non-believers. It is the opposite, to give them confidence so they can relax, listen to, and love those around them who don't know Christ. To summarize this episode, part of the way we must protect our loved ones is to encircle those under our care with truth. 
Our spiritual battle is against our sinful nature that suppresses truth, Satan, who is the father of all untruth, and the world that loves darkness rather than truth. Scientific evidence and clear thinking about the origin, order, and precision of the universe, combined with the sense of moral obligation humans feel, give overwhelming evidence for our belief that the only logical explanation for our existence is that God is our Creator. For further prayerful thought, number one, which of the four arguments for the existence of God do you find most compelling? Which do you think has the power to be the most persuasive in your circles? Number two, what do you think of the idea that the reason for knowing the evidence for our faith is not to give us ammo to fire at non-believers, but rather to fill us with confidence so we can listen well to lost folks asking good questions and planting some seeds wisely? This week's resource highlight is episode number 24, How to Fasten the Belt of Truth for Spiritual Battle, April 19, 2020, which examines five ways we need to put on the belt of truth and why we need to do that in spiritual warfare. Today's podcast, as all podcasts are, is available in printed format on my website, forgingbonds.org. For this podcast series surrounding our loved ones with the belt of truth, the blog version is designed for you to print, to share with your wife or kids, and include some extra links to resources used for the podcast. So again, the print version is at forgingbonds.org backslash blog. Next week, we continue our series surrounding our loved ones with the belt of truth. We'll examine how to help our loved ones develop a confident response to the argument Suffering proves a good God doesn't exist. If this podcast has been helpful to you, don't forget to tell other Christian men about a podcast that helps them stay focused on their mission from Christ by inspiring them each week while they commute or work out. <laughs>